When you know what you want for the future, you need the present to line up with your goals. UCF Online offers more than 100 fully online programs in healthcare, engineering, criminal justice, and more. So you can get to your future and beyond. From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning. And the University of Louisville's Delphi Center for Teaching and Learning. I am Tom Cavanaugh. And I am Kelvin Thompson. And you are listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Hello, Kelvin. Hello, Tom. How are you this fine day? Good, good. I got a powerful thirst, so I made myself a (laughs) cup of joe. I have a non-thematically selected... um, cup of coffee. Actually, it may be thematically. Ooh, do tell. Now that I mentioned it. Yes. Do tell. So it is, um, loosely, thematically, it is a uh, cup of uh, Donut House Decaf. Donut House Decaf. I can see. You think you got I, it? I think I can, I can see some mm-hmm. things there, especially if you tell me that, uh, did that come out of like a, like a little pod personal brewing system it did uh behind me is my keurig that i just made Mm -hmm. it in yes so i think that even makes more of a connection it does even more so Uh, yes because you know donut house is a generic reference to like say like a dunkin donuts or something like that kind of Mm -hmm. the good Mm -hmm. donut coffee and uh not that it tastes like donuts but it accompanies donuts well and Mm -hmm. and then the little keurig you know thing you 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 got Mm -hmm. these little flavorful individual apportioned kind of things, and you can distribute those out. I even have, although it's not with me now, I have one at home, but I have a reusable Keurig that you can put ground coffee in, which I have used on occasion. That's right. That that will extend it even further. It it will. Oh, I like, you know, know, I I almost don't want to talk about mine now. (laughs) That would be good. But I will say that I'm, uh, I'm... since we're recording in the morning, not that our listeners would know the difference, but uh, I'm finishing the last little bit of my morning coffee, which happens to be a single origin Honduras from um, another local Louisville roaster called Fontes. Uh, as I continue to learn the new area, new to me area here, some a faculty member uh, recommended this place. And I went, it's lovely, it's great, great location, big old roaster, and they have, you know, lots of, you can buy beans and all that. But it, same day that I was there for the first time, I was at some other, like, uh, these are not the places I frequent, but I was in some kind of gourmet pasta market place, and uh, I saw that they had bags of coffee, and I went over and I looked at it, and I I thought, this looks awfully familiar. And I looked on the back, down in the fine print, and indeed, it came from this same place, Fontes. And uh, turns out they do they do sort of a private label uh, roasting for a whole host of restaurants and markets and, and so forth all over the area, in addition to their, their own roasting. So I thought that was... Uh, kind of appropriate for the the topic here as well, repurposing yeah. things a bit. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, <laughs> do you want to explain what the theme is, or shall I? Why don't you do it and then get on into the, 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 the introduction of our interviewee? Sure. Okay, so we are talking about uh, kind of pedagogical reusability. 
Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, even the old term that it, we don't hear quite so often, but the mm-hmm. kind of reusable learning objects mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. concept and um, and how that can be really effective in the world of, of e-learning. And so, as you allude, we did have someone who is a bit of an expert in this area. Mm-hmm. And Kelvin, you recently interviewed Dr. Kathy Gosser, who is one of your brand spanking new colleagues at the University of Louisville. Dr. Mm-hmm. Gosser is in her second career at UofL, where she is currently the YUM, exclamation point, Assistant Professor of Franchise Management and Director of the YUM Center for Franchise Excellence. Previously, she spent 35 years with Yum Brands. And so Yum is a thing, if you're not familiar with it. Yum mm-hmm. is formerly KFC, which was formerly uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, but it also includes, I believe, Taco Bell and mm-hmm. Pizza Hut. It's the those kind of, you know, mm-hmm. restaurant franchisees. Mm-hmm. And um, she retired from there as Director of Learning and Organizational Development and Chair of the KFC Foundation. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a really, you know, kind of interesting selection. Uh, to talk mm-hmm. to her about this mm-hmm. and, um, and you know, a, a great choice. Is there anything you want to say about the interview before we kind of jump into it? I'll say redundantly what will be obvious uh, in mere moments that Kathy's great. Um, she is such a, a, just a great creative um, thinker. Uh, it's apparent that she's well chosen for this topic because she just lives this. Uh, so maybe we'll talk more on the back end. Great. So through the magic of podcast time travel, here is your interview with Dr. Kathy Gosser. Hi, Kathy. So great to have you on TopCast today. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So we were um, recently having a conversation uh, in your office, as I recall, and you were showing me uh, various aspects of your teaching practice. And as any reasonable person would be, I was delighted by what I saw. And I just remember commenting to you that it's interesting to me that it seems like you embody a principle that I am guessing comes from your background in franchising. And it struck me as like develop once, reuse many times seemed to be yeah. the principle. <laughs> Was that explicit with you? I mean, did you, do we intentionally go out uh, that way in your work? Actually, what you're talking about is what I consider repurposing content. Mm-hmm. So when I create content, whether that is a podcast, a course, an e-learning course, I like to think, are there multiple ways to use it? Mm-hmm. So could I use it in another class? Could I use it on the website as a learning type of content item? But how else could I use this? Mm-hmm. So it does come from franchising because if you think about it, a franchise is a business model that can be picked up and replicated. So if we take our content, how can we replicate it in different formats? So we have content at the graduate, undergraduate, and executive ed levels, all on franchise management. And we've taken the meat of it, if you will, and just rewrapped it and actually have obviously very high level, high level activities and assignments at the graduate level, a little bit different at the undergraduate. And then of course, in exec ed, you strip all that away, but the content is the content. So we have in essence, refranchised our own information. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And 
maybe maybe expand on that just a little bit for our listeners. So when you think about you know the content, like you talked about the sort of the value add differentiation in the different contexts, but if you strip all that away and identify the the thing that is common uh, to the quote unquote content across all those contexts, what is that, and what would that look like, and how is your process? So that's a good good question. Actually, we use e-learning modules. So e-learning is used pervasively in the corporate world, and it's a very simple way to ensure that you get the key learning out. You can use the most recent relevant information because sometimes, especially with a topic like franchising, textbooks become outdated the moment they're published. Mm-hmm. Other disciplines like accounting may be a little bit different, but when it comes to franchising, the world is always changing. So using e-learning allows us to revise the content continuously and make it very fresh. So I'll give you an example. In our graduate level program, we have six courses and each course is five weeks long. It's an hour and a half course. And all six of them make up the certificate, the graduate level certificate. Each course has five e-learning modules, one a week. And in there you will find videos, TED Talks, articles, research theory at the at the graduate level, as well as writing and some interactive activities to keep it interesting. Mm-hmm. That's the main crux of the content. Then you build assignments all around that that are at the graduate level. Well, you can take that same e-learning, strip all the assignments away, and teach people in executive education mm-hmm. the same type of content. You just wrap it differently. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm talking about. No, that's that's awesome, and um, you know, it reminds me of uh, there. There was a sort of I don't know if trendy is quite the right descriptor, but some years ago in our field, uh, learning objects as a concept were all the rage, and yes. reusability and so forth. Now. I'd say those principles are rather timeless, as you have already illustrated, but there there was quite a lot uh, said and discussed about that. And uh, I recall Wayne Hodgins from Autodesk making uh, some, some comments about this, that as contextualization increases, reusability decreases, mm-hmm. that as, um, and as granularity uh, increases, as you get more granular, reusability uh, increases, but there is a sweet spot in there somewhere, right? That you you need enough context to be sort of cohesive, but not too much, or it limits your uh, reusability across context. Does that ring Precisely. true? Yes. And so when you're when we're creating the the actual e learning modules, we have to be very careful so that we don't do exactly as you've discussed. We don't make it so granular, like we don't refer to this graduate course. That's a small example. Mm -hmm. But you've got to be very careful so that when you're creating it, you have the mindset you're going to have multiple audiences looking at it. Now, we've gone a step further with this whole concept of refranchising or repurposing. And that's, think about this. Today's learner, how do they learn? They learn the way they're learning now. We have a podcast. Mm -hmm. That tends to be a wonderful modality for learning. People can do something at the same time. They can be driving, cooking, exercising, Mm -hmm. et cetera. So what we've done with our e-learning is we've created small podcasts, if you will. We call them small bites of business insights. Mm -hmm. 
And so we have one, I'll give you an example. We've done some on finance. So we have one on cash flow analysis, the cash flow statement. We have one on income statement, those kind of things. Those are tucked in the e-learning. And then we also publish them on our website. If anyone wants to use them, like a corporation could say, hey, we want to teach a group of our team members more about cash flow. And they could listen to it. And we have it on the podcast providers so that anyone can use it. That is a perfect example of repurposing. So even the podcast, like these podcasts could be put into e-learning to emphasize a point. Mm-hmm. So there are so many ways to do that with with learning objects, which I would consider a podcast, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that definitely you can do the same thing. That's right. No, I think that's that's excellent. And clearly you um, you, you live and, and breathe this uh, every day. And so I know you think this way, so I'm just going to ask you to, to comment a little bit on how do you see then the, mm, we'll say the value add of the various contexts, whether that's um, you know, audience A or audience purpose B or whatever, uh, especially if you've, if you've so broadly shared those individual assets or objects, then I am assuming that you don't see the value add in just those content elements. You're seeing the value add somewhere else in the context. Oh, absolutely. The value add is the wraparound. So if you think about, I'll give you an example. So if I'm talking about how do you fund, how do you fund a franchise? That's, and that's a whole course, right? Mm -hmm. As we talk about different funding models, how you go about it, all the financials. At the graduate level, I would add in, I would have the basic content, but I would add in, like I've I've done a podcast with a couple of, of private equity firm CEOs who are brilliant. I would add that in with a very complex assignment around it, having them do more research to really unpack all about private equity. At the professional level, I'll just say, hey, here is what it's about. And if you want more, you could listen to this podcast, but it's not a requirement. At the undergraduate level, I would probably have them go explore funding options. And you could listen to this if you want. So just the exercises, the whole wraparound changes. And actually, that's the fun part. If you're a creative instructional designer or Mm -hmm. curriculum designer, that's where it gets fun. Because you've got this great content. And then how can I make it come alive for my students? How can I make them think critically, do more research if needed or not? Again, the professional, the professional education, they're not going to want to write a big paper. I can't see anyone signing up for that when they want to get the education itself. So just understanding who the audience is mm-hmm. makes drives the context. Mm-hmm. And also, of course, we also have our AACSB accreditation, et cetera, mm-hmm. that drives the context. Mm-hmm. But having those things in mind really does help. Yeah. How much of that was trial and error for you? How much was that, you think, just just practical experience and life experience and academic experience kind of all coalescing? Um, and how much of that was some other kind of influence like the accreditation standards? So the standards are one. I will tell you, I have a wonderful partner who helped create the initial graduate level program. And that was Dr. Denise Cumberland. Mm -hmm. And she just won a huge award from the university for being a distinguished teacher. So that's pretty incredible. But she and I, I think when you have a partner who has the same thought process and you can work together on something. Mm -hmm. So the two of us took our experience in academia, as well as our experience in the real world, as well as just our love of teaching and pedagogy 
And our pedagogy is very similar in that it's about how do you involve the student? How do you apply? How do you get on the higher end of Bloom's taxonomy? Mm -hmm. So that's what we really drive. And so working together, I think was really the key. Having mm -hmm. someone to bat around. And, you know, we didn't win on everything, Kelvin. Like I tried to use a wiki in a class with a Blackboard you know, God bless those people that can manage that one. That I could not manage the whole wiki concept very well. Now, a lot of other things I can handle, but that one I couldn't. So when you say trial and error, yes. Sometimes group projects don't work in an online asynchronous environment. Mm -hmm. So we've had a couple of group projects we've had to pivot. So, but I think that's what it's about. I think we as educators owe it to our students and our practice to continue to evolve based on the <laughs> feedback or the performance that we see. You know, that's awesome. And and you've you've started going where I was going to ask you about next a little bit. We've talked about content. We've talked about context a bit. Um, and you've, and in the sense of addressing different contexts, you've talked about expanding certain content or conceptual um, elements. But I, I was going to ask you about the role of interaction with, um, with yourself as an instructor or with... Um, with other learners uh, and uh, assessment. So uh, in addition to content, the interaction and the assessment, how do those flow differently in those different contexts? They do flow differently. And I am always learning, always. I actually just took a three-week course that you offered here at the University of mm, Louisville right. that was very helpful and helped me think differently. So I think, first of all, as educators, we have to continue to learn and listen and grab best practices. Because engaging your students, that's really the key, no matter what level you're at. So there are a couple things you can do. And online asynchronous definitely is the most difficult because you don't have, obviously, that face-to-face -face interaction. Mm -hmm. And you can do a few things. Um, I think discussion boards are fine, but they become a little overused. So you got to have a couple just because it seems to be the one tool we have, but it shouldn't be the only tool. Nowadays, there are so many technological advances and so many programs that really don't cost anything, you can do things. One of the things that's been a big hit at the undergraduate level is I will host an optional, optional, but I will also tape it, synchronous um, session, a Kahoot session, if you will, where mm -hmm. I will do a review of a midterm. They love it, but they'll watch it. I mean, they will mm -hmm. actually go back and watch it because I track that. I'm like, who's going to watch a Kahoot? Well, guess what? They do. Mm -hmm. I also always, in the beginning of the courses, host an optional orientation. They can come on and meet with me if they want, but I record it because, again, I understand we're online asynchronous. So, but I think that orientation gives some of them a chance to talk to me, get to know me, and then they can ask their questions. But then I show them how to navigate Blackboard because it can be very overwhelming for people if they've not taken an online asynchronous course. Mm -hmm. And then they can also see, I'm serious that I want to help them if they have questions. Now, I am, I have tried happy hours. A friend of mine does a great job. Bob Hasladen with the Distilled Spirits. He has virtual happy hours. And so I've tried a couple of those. Honestly, I've had a table for two, but I'm going to try it again. It's like, let's see if we can get more on. I think that's important. Regular announcements, calling out people's names. Um, I do a Flipgrid introduction so that we can all see each other. Um, the only thing Flipgrid doesn't integrate with Blackboard, but it does allow me to see my students. And when you can see their face, it helps. And I kick it off with an introduction of myself so they can take a look at it there. And I, I think using the tools that we have and just, it can be a lot of work, but when you care, it's worth it because you want those students to connect. 
The other thing Blackboard does or any learning management system is it lets you show if somebody hasn't engaged and mm-hmm. it shows you their last engagement time. Really paying attention to that is important to me. And I will send out individual emails if they've not engaged, like within the first week by Thursday or Friday, they'll hear from me. And it's typically, hey, are you having any trouble logging on? Is there anything I can do to help you? Just because you don't know, they could be. But I think that that, that takes a lot of time, but it's worth it. And that's at all levels, actually. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think you've, be- you've made a great case for um, continuous improvement Right. In addition to this repurposing, uh, yes. I think uh, that's that's been a, uh, a clear theme in your, your remarks. As we begin to wrap up, I wonder, I, I've heard you mention a number of different tools or practices or media types and, and so forth. And I just wonder, as we begin to wrap up, how do you make your choices about what to pursue and draw in versus what not to? Okay, that's a great way to wrap up because there are so many tools. The hardest part is what do you choose? I would say choose a couple and get very proficient at them. And the couple that I use, I always use Flipgrid for introductions because it's fantastic. It's a free tool, doesn't cost anything and allows people to see each other. But I use a product called Padlet in my classroom as well as my asynchronous. And what it does is it allows students to respond. So I will do maybe two or three a class period, especially in the face-to-face because there are folks who are shy who want to contribute, but it's overwhelming for them or intimidating. So I sometimes I'll kick it off with saying, hey, what did you do over the weekend? And they hit a QR code and they're able just to put a meme or words, whatever they want, and, but they all can contribute. And so I think that those are important. It's a good way to report back after group sessions and it's just a really nice tool. So I, I enjoy that one a lot. Blogs are great on Blackboard because they just continue the conversation and it's a lot easier to use than a discussion board. I do use a couple of discussion boards. I also really like to use the, we're an Adobe campus and I love to use that. So I will, I will show them a LinkedIn learning on how, what an infographic is about. Mm -hmm. And almost every class I make them do one or two infographics because Adobe lets you and it's fun. And I'll tell you in business, People love infographics. One page, how much you can give me, that's what they love. So I think that those are probably the main ones I use. I'm always open to explore others, but I'm careful because someone on your team, a very wise person by the name of Amy Amy Green said to me, don't choose too many, choose a couple and do them well. And she's exactly right. That's right. Well, it's been a delight, as uh, as it always is, speaking with you today, Kathy. I, I'm just so delighted that uh, you would join us on TopCast and let us disseminate some of your good practice and wisdom to a, to a larger non-U of L audience. Well, thank you for having me. So, Kelvin, that was your interview with Dr. Kathy Gosser. I thought it was a really, really fascinating conversation. Yeah, I mean, she's great, right? I mean, just, I, you can tell. She, she, lives and breathes and thinks all these related concepts so well, um, which is makes her a great person to talk about, you know, uh, nuanced topics in a, in a very focused, brief period of time. So I, yeah, uh, I, I love talking to her. Uh, is, she's passionate about what she does. She really appeals to the systematized side mm-hmm, of me, mm-hmm, yeah. like the, the idea yeah. of maximum efficiency, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. build once, use many, really appeals to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that that's that's, right. that's great. Now, it's not like 
there aren't, you know, things that get tweaked and adjusted and customized. Mm -hmm. And she even went into that, like how she would do that for a graduate mm -hmm. audience or a non-graduate or executive yeah. ed audience That's or something true. like that. But the core information mm -hmm. remains the same. And, and I think you all, you brought this up, but I think it was a really, really cogent point that like you, you can't be so broad that um, you don't have any detail, but you can't be so specific that it just gets, it gets too contextualized and you can't reuse it, right? You know, mm -hmm. like finding that balance, what's the right size, I think can be really difficult. Yes, and uh, I think I mentioned um, in the conversation, uh, I'll, I'll find, I'm sure it's extant somewhere online still, uh, the visual from Wayne Hodgins who, I think may be retired now from Autodesk. He was, you know, when when learning object talk was all the rage, uh, uh, I saw Wayne speak several times, several different places and articulate kind of that very thing, that intersection, that sweet spot. And then I'll throw this out too. I remember years ago, uh, a handful of us were down at, a, at a, another institution down in South Florida, uh, the institution that was formerly known as uh, Manatee Community College, doing some faculty professional development. And we are sharing a little bit about this reusability con concept. For it, it, Interestingly, in kind of a similar vein, right, kind of that work smarter, not harder kind of thing. And this one faculty member who was, uh, I think, probably about to retire then, he said something I actually printed out and had tacked up above my desk for years. He said, it's interesting. All this is interesting. He said... Um, in a discussion post, he said, uh, I think of it like albums versus tracks, tracks or songs yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah. You know, that like the album is what it is. It is has limited reusability, but the songs, like the songs you can reuse and you can put out a single or you can have a new compilation, right? And and that always stuck with me. I thought that was an interesting uh, kind of a simile, metaphorical kind of connection. I like that. I'll take it even one further. You know, some some DJ or rapper can sample that, mm -hmm. like even a, a portion of a song and reuse it in an entirely different context, but it remains completely recognizable. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's a really good analogy to kind of help you kind of understand it, um, and and she bringing her her you know lens of franchises mm -hmm. into the instructional environment like that, mm -hmm. it just seemed to fit so I well. Know. Yeah. I know, I know, but you know, I will say this, like you said, it appeals to the kind of this uh, systems. Uh, part of you, me too. I mean, anybody who's kind of worked as an instructional designer, you have some immediate, you know, oh yes, I like it so much. But I think there's another viewpoint, perspective, thread, where maybe some of us, uh, or parts of some of us resist this a bit, right? Like you almost want, if you're approaching teaching as like an art or a craft, it's almost you want to start from a metaphorical clean slate each time and and quite literally reinvent the wheel and and be very thoughtful about, you know, handcrafting every single thing. And I get why one would be drawn that way. I really do, mm -hmm. right? And it's very human and it's very artful and it draws on expertise. But I think it's a it's a false dichotomy to say that it's one or the other. Like 
quality is in opposition to systematizing or reusability, right? I think there is a sweet spot there too. Yeah, I think that's true, but it, you know, it does appeal to the kind of the scale mm -hmm. um, issue that that we have to contend mm -hmm. with at, mm -hmm. at large institutions, yeah. and um, kind of a, a bespoke, customized, you know, artisanal <laughs> online learning uh, works in some places, but not at a at a big production shop, you know, kind of like we have. Um, I think it's a lot harder to to do that, but you also you don't want to sacrifice the the quality or mm -hmm. the the kind of individualized feeling that you get from something like that. And so, you know, through unique combinations of reusable mm -hmm. instructional assets, um, I think you can still get that. And then, um, you know, have those like connective pieces potentially mm -hmm. to kind mm -hmm. of you know it's not just a stack of like episodic instructional mm -hmm. things, but there's like a there's a flow and there's a reason, and you may need to connect some dots in between mm -hmm. those. Mm -hmm. But um, but it becomes a lot easier than trying to create something from whole cloth. I really appreciate though too, in addition to the instruction part, the curricular reusability that Kathy sort of advocated for. I don't think you hear that as much. You hear it about right. instructional development more, but from a curricular standpoint, here's how these curricular elements at the undergraduate level connect at the graduate level versus executive ed. And uh, you and I were talking right before we hit record and you mentioned something I think that's right on as well in the parlance of trendy talk right now, things like stackable micro-credentials, right? Uh, yet another repackaging, uh, but being able to see that, lay it out and see the relationships. I don't think everybody does, but I think it, I think we can. I think yeah. Kathy does. Yeah, I agree. Um, and um, the, to your point about the curricular piece, I, I think that is maybe the more powerful one mm -hmm. than just saying, you know, here's a, a, a media library that's got all the right meta tags mm -hmm, and I can mm -hmm. find this piece of video that I can use mm -hmm, multiple times. Mm -hmm. That's great, right? Mm -hmm, that's good. Mm -hmm. That's not nearly as powerful as having like curricular elements that are reusable or being able to use in other places. And, and to the micro-credential thing, I mean, that's the, the power of these micro-credentials. Um, they, ideally, they could, they serve two purposes. One is as a standalone thing, hopefully mm -hmm. skills-based, but it doesn't have to be, mm -hmm. um, that that serves as a as a its own kind of credential of sorts that could have some currency for somebody, probably like in a in a career change or career growth or some aspiration. But then if it's really doing double duty, it would also allow that person to have portable credits that could be mm -hmm. applied to that institution or another institution, mm -hmm. and you're not wasting any time, and you could stack multiple of these micro-credentials and eventually end up with a, with a degree, an associate's or a bachelor's degree or something like that. Now, I, I think that's, that's where we need to go. And maybe the last thing I'll say on it is that it's really hard to retroactively do this. Mm. I, think, I think you have to build this mm -hmm. kind of into mm -hmm. the upfront design if possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Instead of looking at a fully designed course, it's like, okay, like what pieces are the micro-credential? It's just, yeah. it's gonna be a lot harder. You're gonna have to do a lot more rework um, yeah. if you're gonna come at it after the fact. Yeah, I think there's some, I think there's some truth in that. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, well, I don't know about you, but my, uh, my coffee mug is about empty. I don't, uh, uh, so maybe, maybe our episode is about empty. Shall I try to get our uh, thematic uh, articulation on the runway? Let's. 
All right. So maybe by way of summation, we might say that online design and teaching in particular lend themselves to thinking about scale and efficiency and identifying opportunities for reuse and repurposing is one way for individual faculty and instructional designers of working smarter, not harder. Work smarter, not harder. That's that's my goal every day. All right, cool. Um, so with that, yeah, my coffee's empty too. Until next time, for TopCast, I'm Tom. I'm Kelvin. See ya. See ya.